Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gamison, as always, your host for the Speaking for Him podcast. Welcome to our Thanksgiving episode. You know, as I was putting this together, I was reflecting on the fact that these holiday episodes, while they are my favorite episodes to do, probably because I love holidays, they are also sometimes the most difficult to do because we started this podcast nine years ago and it was in October. So it was about a month before Thanksgiving. So I think this might be the 10th Thanksgiving episode in the history of the podcast. And as you go through that many years of doing something and trying to come up with fresh content, you can run into some walls. And I definitely did that as I was putting together this week's podcast. But I hope that the content that I have brought for you today is something that you will find beneficial. Please let me know um, by commenting on this podcast on Facebook or elsewhere, or by sending me an email with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show, what you are most thankful for this year. Definitely want to get as many people involved in that discussion, and it can definitely stretch more than one podcast. But today, I'm going to talk to you about the five kernels of Thanksgiving. And this goes back to a pilgrim legend. So as we know, legends are not necessarily grounded in fact, but this is a story that has been passed down about the pilgrims. And whether it is true or not, it still uh, gives us pause to think. And so that's the perspective from which I want to present it to you. And I'm excited to dig into that discussion, and I trust it will be beneficial to each of us. Uh, But before I do that, I just want to talk to you a little bit about what is going on. Well, since it is Thanksgiving week, I want to get away from some of the news of the world and just focus on the holiday itself. And the first piece of audio that I want to share with you today is a dramatic reading of Abraham Lincoln's 1863 Thanksgiving Proclamation. Uh, This is said to be the origin of why, on the fourth Thursday of November, to this day, we have a Thanksgiving celebration. And it's interesting that Lincoln would call for Thanksgiving at this time in 1863, at the heart of the most brutal conflict in American history, the American Civil War. And what I really appreciate about this proclamation is that even though they are in the heat of battle and even though we are struggling as a nation, he still pauses to give thanks to the Lord and he encourages his fellow countrymen, all of them, to do the same. So let's listen to Abraham Lincoln's 1863 Thanksgiving Proclamation. filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. 
In the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict, while that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. Population has steadily increased, and the country, rejoicing in consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increases of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and voice, by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also, with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those that have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. I just thought that was really good and I know I've read it before and it's resonated with me before. And if I've shared it with you on the podcast, um, then you have heard it before, but I think it was worth hearing again. And there's just a couple things I want to mention about it. First of all, Abraham Lincoln freely admitted that they weren't perfect and he thanked God for his forgiveness how powerful would it be today to have leaders in our country that thank God for his forgiveness? Uh, that's the first thing that I wanted to point out. The second thing is he talks about the national strife that is going on and his desire to see America return to unity and to normalness after this great tragedy. And I really resonated with that, given the current situation with the vaccine and with max masking and non max masking and with just the virus in general. And so I really thought that was an encouraging thing for us to consider. I just want to say the best way to get into a spirit of thankfulness is to put God first 
and to put our family second behind that and to leave the cares of this world behind, if only for 24 hours, this Thanksgiving holiday. I know that we are all facing many things, and we can't put them out completely. We do need to care about what is going on around us, but for that 24 hours, my prayer for you is that you could have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with your families. And really, folks, that's what it's all about. The reason that I bring up so many social issues on this podcast and the reason that I point you back to Jesus for the answer on every single social issue is because he truly is that. We look for answers in every other place except for Jesus. When people want certain health care things, they say, well, the government needs to provide that. When they want better jobs, they say the government needs to provide that. When they want cheaper gas, they say the government needs to provide that. And of course, we know that the government has responsibilities. But one of the reasons that we are in the place that we are in is we have decided that the government has replaced us in responsibility. And the government's like, okay, I will take it from you. But the costs are high. So I just really appreciated the humility of that. I appreciated that even in the midst of war, uh, Abraham Lincoln could pause and give thanks or even say that we needed to pause and give thanks. It's worth noting that in Romans chapter 1, one of the precursors to going against God's will as far as the biblical way of living life was to forget God and to not be thankful. So that's just a really key warning for us as we go into this Thanksgiving holiday. This next thing I want to share with you is really a surprise for the kids. I try to cater my podcast to all ages, but I know there's often content that isn't directly related to the kids, but I was um, perusing social media yesterday and I came across a, a new PragerU video. And for those of you who don't know about PragerU, if you want to have some really quick tutorials on U.S. history that has not been sanitized or changed by the modern narratives and just takes it from the history books, I would encourage you to check out PragerU. And this is a story called Otto's Tales. Today it's Thanksgiving. And basically, Dennis Prager has a dog named Otto. And so this children's series uh, imagines him as like a six or seven year old kid uh, going back in time or discussing different historical events or how politics affects current events. And so I think it's a really well done book series and they do videos with people reading these books. And so that is the audio clip I'm going to share with you is a young lady reading this book. So if you have kids with you in the car, maybe bump up the volume if you can, sit back and just enjoy Otto's Tales. Today is Thanksgiving. Let's read Otto's Tales. Today is Thanksgiving. Ruff, ruff. I'm Otto. My best friend Dennis and I smelled something yummy cooking in the kitchen. Dennis's mom was making a big dinner for the whole family. There was turkey, stuffing, gravy, 
cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, and pumpkin pie. It must be Thanksgiving, I barked. We grabbed some spatulas and hopped into the laundry basket. This is our canoe, said Dennis, and these are our oars. Can this be our time machine? I asked. Sure thing, Otto. We can use it to go back in time and learn about the first Thanksgiving. Row, 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 I barked. We're going on another big adventure. Zoom! Off to 1620. We found ourselves at sea. A ship called the Mayflower was on a perilous journey. From Holland, 102 pilgrims set sail on that ship. The voyage lasted 66 days and was a very dangerous trip. The pilgrims gave up comfort and went to sea to Rome. They headed for the new world in hopes of finding a new home. Instead, they landed near a place now called Plymouth Rock. This unplanned destination gave them quite a shock. They found a deserted village with water and stored food. They hoped to trade with the villagers, not wanting to be rude. But disease had plagued this village, and all the natives died. So the pilgrims settled there and cared for the land with pride. Dennis, how will the pilgrims survive the heat and cold? A native named Squanto helped them. That's what I've been told. Zoom! We grabbed our oars and climbed into our canoe. We paddled to 1621 to see if that was true. Look, Dennis, there's Squanto. Let's go say hi. I'm Squanto. Nice to meet you, said the super friendly guy. He showed us how to fish and plant a crop called maize. He helped the pilgrims and taught them many native ways. Thank you, I said to Squanto, wagging my stumpy tail. Without your help, Plymouth Colony would surely fail. Who's that? I asked Dennis, pointing at a man. That's Massasoit. He's the chief of the native's clan. Dennis continued, the colony is under William Bradford's supervision. He believed Squanto was heaven sent and evidence of God's provision. With Squanto, the pilgrims and natives established good relations. He interpreted for both sides and helped negotiations. The natives and pilgrims signed a treaty of peace. Success and happiness for everyone increased. There was a big harvest that year and crops aplenty. Everyone had food to eat and no bellies were left empty. The pilgrims and natives held a big celebration. Squanto was there and helped them with translation. What we call the first Thanksgiving took place that year. Massasoit and 90 natives brought gifts of hunted deer. A good time was had by everyone who was there. God provided, said Bradford. There is so much bounty to share. Dennis, I said, I can't wait to put this food inside my tummy. Meat, turkey, fish, and corn all look so yummy. Thank you, said Dennis, for being so kind. You're welcome, they said. Enjoy your journey through time. We waved goodbye, got into our canoe, and zoom! Road, road, road! Back to Dennis's room. Dennis and Otto, it's time for dinner, called Dennis's mother. I'll race you to the table, shouted Dennis's big brother. We ran to the room from which their mom was calling and saw a spread on the table that was absolutely sprawling. Everyone was dressed up because it was Thanksgiving night. The candles and decorations were such a lovely sight. 
The table was covered with yummy food. I couldn't believe my eyes. There was turkey and stuffing and pecan and pumpkin pies. Mom and Dad said to everyone, let's all take our seats. Mom, gasped Dennis, did you make all these tasty treats? She did, said Dennis's dad. Your mom really is the best. To be with you on Thanksgiving, she said, I truly feel blessed. Dennis said, we just came from the first Thanksgiving in 1621. Dennis's dad smiled. With pilgrims and natives? Oh, that must have been fun. Each year, Dennis said, I love Thanksgiving more and more. Let's go around the table and say what we're grateful for. Dennis's mom asked, what do you give thanks for on this very special day? My family, God, and country, Dennis and I both did say. After stuffing our faces, Dennis's mom and dad tucked us all in bed. They kissed Dennis on his cheek and patted me on my head. Good night, boys, said mom and dad as they shut the door. We closed our eyes and smiled, thinking of all we're grateful for. That was my favorite adventure yet, I whispered to Dennis. You say that every time, Otto. Well, I never knew about the first Thanksgiving and how special this holiday is. Dennis said, giving thanks for all our blessings is an important part of the American tradition. Plus, there's lots of yummy food to eat. Yes, Otto, the turkey stuffing and pumpkin pie really are delicious. Don't forget the cranberry sauce. But Thanksgiving is about more than tasty food, said Dennis. It's a special day set aside to give thanks and remember everything we're grateful for, especially for being American. I'm grateful for you, Dennis, I said, our family and America. Me too, Otto. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Ruff, ruff. The end. I just really appreciated that kid's perspective on the Thanksgiving story. And as I said, I really appreciate what PragerU is doing uh, by putting the facts out there and addressing twists in the narrative that people have. You know, it's kind of like what I said um, la- last week or within the last couple of weeks when when I talked about Winsome Sears. Uh, one of the most significant things in her speech, which I shared portions from, was the fact that she said even though her dad came here during Jim Crow, America was still the best place to be. And so when we as Americans rejoice in being here and talk about America being a good place to be, we're not saying that it's perfect. There were mistakes made. But I think what happens on the left specifically when it comes to these holidays, is that we try to say, well, this mistake was somewhere in history, and so therefore there's nothing to celebrate. And that is just not the truth. I also wanted to address something here real quick before we get into the main segment about the way people will often talk about, well, this holiday has pagan roots, and so therefore should Christians celebrate it? And I know that people have strong feelings either way, and I'm just going to say right out the gate that I think that if you have a strong personal feeling that you shouldn't celebrate a holiday, then don't do it. Obviously, don't violate your conscience to do it. 
But here's the reason why I promote them and talk about them so much. First of all, if you look through the Old Testament, you will find several holidays that the Jews had. And what was the purpose of a holiday? It was to step back, to thank God for all he had done for them, and to remember where they had come from. It kind of blows my mind that we as believers find reasons not to celebrate holidays when it was such an important part of being an Old Testament follower of God. The next thing I would say is that just because a holiday has pagan roots does not mean that I am celebrating or glorifying the pagan roots. Now, I will say that some of these are more blatant than others. For instance, there's not really much other than a pagan component to Halloween, although as I've stated on this podcast, if your child wants to dress up and go get candy, I have no problem with that. But I even saw an article uh, recently, um, a headline, I didn't read the article, but it basically was implying that Thanksgiving's roots were pagan. And here's what I have to say about that, just very quickly. It may be true that Christmas or any other holiday you can think of has a quote-unquote pagan component or pagan roots. The effort in putting together Christmas was to say, we don't want to celebrate this pagan holiday. Instead, we want to celebrate the goodness of God. So to me, that is a good thing. Dwelling on the paganness of a holiday I think is foolish because basically what you're doing is you're saying that the pagan outweighs the godly. And the thing is, God can redeem. That's what God is in the business of. I feel the same way about Easter. Now, I I prefer to call Easter Resurrection Sunday uh, because Easter is a pagan name and When people say Easter, they automatically think about bunnies with colored eggs. And there is, again, pagan roots to it. But how great is it that once a year we get to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, which is the focal point of our faith? So the reason I bring all this up is I do believe that holidays are important. It's important to come aside and remember things and remember where God has uh, brought us from and to move forward in the knowledge that he will continue to be with us. And so I think as we're talking about these holidays, I think it's important for us to realize that as long as we keep Christ at the center, we can celebrate them with joy and vigor. Um, The holiday season is one of my favorite times of year. Um, Without the holiday season, I don't know how I'd make it through winter. Uh, The reality is that this time of year, as things are getting colder, is very difficult for me physically but having the holidays to look forward to does help. So that's just a little bit about my personal belief about holidays. I hope that that is encouraging to you. And if you're still listening, I'm grateful. We have come to the main segment of our show today in which we will be discussing the five kernels of Thanksgiving. But before we do that, I would like to share with you our quote of the day. 
Our quote of the day comes from the book of Psalms. And it says in Psalms 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, in my research for this episode, I found that there were 48 instances of the phrase, give thanks in the King James Version Bible. And I didn't break down how many were in each book, but many of them were in the Psalms. And so this is just one that I picked out to reflect on. The reality for us as believers is that we know that the Lord is good. Even when bad things happen to us, we can rejoice in the goodness of God uh, because we know that he works all things together for good to those who love him. Now, as I explain in my YouTube video, which you can get on Speaking for Him on YouTube, we don't believe that everything is good, but we do believe that everything works together for good to those that are called according to His purpose and to those that love Him. And the reason is because we know that our lives are only one small part of a bigger picture. And so I thought that was a good verse to reflect on as we begin um, to consider Thanksgiving and the broader holiday season. Because really, Christmas is about giving thanks too, because it's about giving thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus who came to die. You know, often we think about the manger, but really the manger led to the cross. So our main segment comes from, as was mentioned earlier, in a pilgrim legend. Now, I saw online that this had been refuted, but I think the principle applies even if the story itself is not true. And I found a version of the story on the stonegableblog.com and I will make sure that I will include this on the blog for speakingforhim.blogspot.com episode 277 so make sure that you avail yourself of that but this is the way the Stone Gable blog tells the story The story goes, On November 11, 1620, the Mayflower landed on the northern tip of Cape Cod, bringing a group of people searching for religious freedom. We call them pilgrims. It was not easy to settle in a new place, a new world. It was very hard, and the pilgrims suffered greatly. Winter set in, and the food was in short supply. It is said that during the cold and harsh winter of 1621, that sometimes only five kernels of corn were rationed out to eat per person. No matter how small something is, if we see it as a blessing, it's huge. Now, regardless of whether this is a true story or not, it is evident from studying history that the pilgrims did not come over to the New World with much in the way of resources. As a matter of fact, two Indians who were living at Plymouth with 
their tribe were the primary means of pilgrim survival. And it's interesting to note that the reason they were able to help the pilgrims is because they knew English. And their names were Samoset and Tesquantum, or Squanto. And Squanto in particular helped the pilgrims to survive because he taught them how to plant and harvest corn and how to get maple syrup out of the trees, among other things. He helped them understand what it would be like to survive in this uncharted wilderness. So I think it's very important that we get the right context here. This story does not neglect later conflicts that the American people would have with the American Indians, the natives of the land. There are obviously a lot of blots that we have on our country's history. But for the purposes of this story, please note that the interaction between the natives and the pilgrims were were very good at this point. As a matter of fact, the pilgrims agreed to fight with that tribe against their enemies should they attack. So they had really made peace, and the only way they could survive was through the help of these Indians. And because of that, the next year they had an awesome harvest, and they were able to have a three-day Thanksgiving celebration. So this legend of the five kernels of Thanksgiving has been used to do something of an outline of thankfulness, which I'd like to go through with you now. And each of the kernels represents something for which we have to be thankful. And the first kernel is God loves us. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we see this example of Jesus showing us his love first. We read in another passage, we love him because he first loved us. We don't love God out of a natural desire to do so, because the Bible says that no man seeks after God, no one is righteous, no, not one. So we are drawn to God because of his love for us. Colonel 2, God provides for us. And this one comes from 2 Corinthians 9, 8-11. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. So Paul is talking about in this passage of Second Corinthians nine eight to eleven all the things that God gives us through his grace. We don't deserve to be breathing. The Old Testament puts it this way, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed every day. The fact of the matter is, God promised Noah that he would never again flood the whole earth. 
And we've been relying on that mercy ever since for our very survival. So Paul is really detailing what God gives us by his grace. And he uses the analogy of seed to the sower, talking about farming and about how God provides the seed and then he provides the increase from the seed. And so we can trust God to provide for us. Kernel number three, God gives us friends. Iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. And I really like this passage because it really just underscores the fact that we need each other. God did not want the human life or the Christian life to be a solitary pursuit. How did he cause human life to grow on this planet? He put Adam and Eve together in companionship to raise children um, to love and honor him. That was his goal for marriage. And that is the foundation of society because you have married couples living in community, making neighborhoods and societies strong. So that is very important to us that God gives us friends. Um, and Colonel four says, the thing that I read says, God gives us, uh, people in our lives. Um, but I want to bring this down to God gives us family and it's kind of repetitive, but more than just the friends that God has given us as he built society, he gave us the very family that we live in. I, I think the Lord every day, or I try to thank the Lord often for the family that he has allowed me to grow up in. There's a lot of anomalies in my life. For one thing, I'm the oldest of 11 children despite being disabled. For another thing, uh, I have parents that encouraged and expected me to go to college and to have as normal a life as possible. And I'm just so grateful for both of those things. My parents knew that I was being downgraded in my ability educationally, so they pulled me out of school and homeschooled me. Uh, they've always known, sometimes before I did, what I was capable of and encouraged me in it. So I'm very thankful to be placed in the family that he has placed me in. And the verse for that, for Colonel number four, God gave us family, is children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. Proverbs 17.6. And again, this is very closely related to Colonel 3 when we talked about friends. And I kind of tied family into both of these by talking about the origin of men. But, again, think about this. Every part of society has its importance. Children's children are the crown of old men. So grandchildren are very important to people as they get older. My parents love their grandkids. They're going to have at least 28 grandkids, Lord willing, by the end of 2022. And who knows how many more are on the way. And that gives them so much joy. And then the glory of the children are their fathers. I have told you often on this podcast that this podcast would not exist without my father. 
My father is the reason that I'm in ministry today. He's the reason why I've been podcasting for the past nine years. Because he said, Andrew, you have a story to tell. You need to tell it. And that's why I'm here. Every time I get behind this microphone, I thank the Lord for the family that God has placed me in. For the first seven years of this podcast, I was recording out of Holland at Joy 99. Very thankful for that studio space. Very thankful for the opportunity to do that. But that meant that my mom and my brother and my sister all had to take turns driving me that one hour to the studio. And I will always be grateful for that. So, Colonel 4, as God gave us family, Colonel 5... Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, God hears and answers prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And again, that was in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the significance of this is that we are in a place where there's a lot of upheaval in life. There's a lot of upheaval in the world. There's a lot of needs that we have, a lot of concerns that we have. And what Paul is saying here is, let everything be known by prayer and supplication. But he makes sure to include with thanksgiving. Knowing that as much as we need the next thing, There are so many things that God has already given us, so we should be thankful. And he said, by taking this approach, um, by not neglecting to pray about anything and letting it all be known to God, the result will be that we will have a peace from him that passes all understanding. The world can't understand this peace. They don't know what it's like to go to bed every night with the confidence that nothing can change your amazing future. I can't tell you what a relief it is to know that I'm not just striving for this life, that this life is not all there is. To realize that I'm I'm striving for a life where Paul describes it as eyes have not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. That's the reality that I'm working through life on. So that means that whether it's job loss, whether there's a scary virus going around, or whether there's you know high gas prices, whatever the challenge is, I can know that ultimately God is in control and that this earth, such as it is, is not all there is. As a matter of fact, Paul said, The things that are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so I would rather focus on the things that are not seen, and that is exciting. So let me just review very quickly these five kernels of Thanksgiving. Um, I hope that you will enjoy them and that you will share them with your family and friends. And kernel one is God loves us, um, and we talked about how God um, 
laid down his life for us in the person of Jesus Christ, and we need to lay down our lives for others. He has left us an example that we should follow in our steps. He said, Greater love hath no man than that a man lay down his life for his friends, and he showed us that. Then God provides for us. We talked about in Second Corinthians 9, 8-11, how God provides everything, even the seed for the sower, to sustain our needs. Kernel 3, God gives us friends. Iron sharpeneth iron. So we need each other. We are not made to live in solitary. Then carrying it to the next level, God gave us family. We talked about the importance of a multi-generational legacy. And if I could just stop here and encourage you a little bit with that. Some people say that if you are someone who believes in the imminent return of Christ, which is that the rapture could happen at any moment. The problem with that is that you don't see the need to build a multi-generational legacy. But I'm here to say to you that I believe in the rapture. I believe Jesus could come back at any moment. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite radio programs on Shackled, they always end by saying... Um, We'll see you next week unless our Lord returns before then because they believe, as I do, in the imminent return of Christ. However, in the scriptures, Paul tells us to work as unto the Lord until Jesus returns. And we don't know when that will be. There were people in Paul's day when he was writing to the Thessalonians who thought it was going to be any day. And they used that as an excuse to stop working and to be busybodies. And Paul said, no, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. For years we have been waiting for the return of Christ. And every day it gets closer. But I don't know if he's returning next year or in 70 years. The only thing I do know is that I want to be faithful to him until the day he comes. And I always am thinking about the next generation. I still long to be a dad myself, but until then, I still have a responsibility to my nephews and nieces to make sure that I pass the gospel on to the next generation because the scriptures teach us that it only takes one generation for a people to forget God. Sobering as that may be. So I do believe in the importance of a multi-generational legacy. And then Colonel 5, just to reiterate, is God hears and answers prayer. I've talked about prayer before on this podcast. I'm sure that if I had an open phone line, many of you would call in and talk about how God has answered prayer. And we could all relate stories about how God has indeed answered prayer for us. Incidentally, if God has answered your prayer on anything, if you need prayer for anything, or if you have anything else of benefit that you would like to share with the podcast audience, you can click on the voicemail link at the right-hand side of the page on the Speaking For Him blog at speakingforhim.blogspot.com and leave me a voicemail. And then you can let me know whether you would like to allow me 
to share it on the podcast, but I would love to be able to share people's answered prayers. How cool would that be to have a whole podcast episode in the future focused on answered prayer? All that to say, I hope that these five kernels of Thanksgiving will be something that you'll be thinking about throughout the day on Thanksgiving and throughout the weekend and hopefully throughout the entire year. Because the good thing about these five kernels, they're not just good one day of the year. They're good 365 days a year. So I hope that encourages you today. As I wrap up, I just want to give you a couple of things that I'm thankful for. I mentioned my parents already, how grateful I am to have grown up in a Christian home who loves the Lord, who wants to serve him and who really passed on to me the passion to serve the Lord. I always tell people my dad gave me um, all of my great passions. One of them was a passion for the word of God. Another was the passion for children. And a third was the passion to treat women correctly. And all three of those things came because of my dad's legacy, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my mom and the hours that she spends driving me. I'm thankful for my brother, who is my personal care attendant. He does so many things behind the scenes of my ministry um, that you wouldn't even be aware of. Things like setting up my tech and driving me from place to place, dressing me in the morning, all these things that allow me to be who I am. And I'm so thankful, Bartholomew, for your uh, influence and for your impact on my ministry. So very much thankful to you. And there's so many others that I could thank by name for help with the podcast. I think of Dan Van Zalen, Adam McNutt, and Chad Cashman right off the top of my head. And then, of course, Naomi Van Harn, who I refer to as my super fan because she's always giving me feedback. But I'm so very grateful for each and every person who listens to the podcast, who contributes financially, and who upholds me in their prayers. I'm really excited for what this next year is going to hold as I seek to continue to expand the reach of speaking for him for his glory. I hope you have a great week and that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.